Hello everyone and welcome to our live episode of the Politician Podcast here up in Liverpool and we're doing this in person aren't we Stuart for once which is uh, quite a nice change from, from teams. It's really, it's really good to actually see somebody in real life Ben so uh, yeah I yeah, know it's fantastic and Liverpool absolutely looking its best for the Labour Party conference with the sun shining and uh, you know down at the exhibition centre overlooking the Mersey what better way to spend a few days. No, hundred percent, hundred percent, and it's um, yeah, you, you've been attending, haven't you, the party conference uh, the, these past couple of days, Stuart? Is any any highlights that kind of caught your eye since you've been here? Uh, well, probably a late night too many, uh, Ben. I think that's that's part of the problem <laughs> for, uh, for me anyway. Uh, so apologies if, if the voice is a little bit croaky today, but um, yeah, so I'm at the Labour Party conference. I, I wasn't at the Conservative Party conference last year, but have done lots of Conservative and Lib Dem conferences in the past, and it's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the one time of year where the parties come together, the members, the councillors, mayors, MPs, sometimes members of the House of Lords are around as well, and obviously the leaderships, and they get to make their pitches to the, to the general public. So it's, it's sort of, you see the party themselves doing their thing, uh, and you see what their offer is to the electorate. So, I'm, you know, I think it's a, you know, I love the party conferences. Uh, for me, they're quite, you know, quite social events as well. But you really get under the skin of the parties and get to know what, and, and understand what they're about. Yeah. So, as you say there, there's been a few, hasn't there, over the past couple of weeks. So we've had, obviously, Labour's turn this week. It's It was Conservatives last week, and I think it was Lib Dems the week before. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So normally, normally it's Lib Dems and then Labour and then Conservative. But I think there was some booking uh, issue here in Liverpool where the, the conference centre was already booked. So Labour are actually the week after the Conservatives, which is, uh, doesn't normally happen. I'm sure there's a historic reason why they're in that order. I don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, for this year, if, if these are the last set of conferences before the general election, which is quite likely, for Labour that works quite nicely because it means they get the last word so you can reflect on what Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, said the week before, and then Keir Starmer gets to respond to that and then set out his vision. Um, so being last is, is quite handy for them this time. Yeah, especially, I suppose these are the last ones, aren't they, Stuart, before the next supposed probably. general election? Yeah, yeah. probably. I mean, it's it, you know, if, if Rishi hangs on the right until the bitter end, then technically that could be sort of, you know, right at the end of next year, beginning of 25. But realistically, and I've spoken to a few people over the last few days, I think the, the general smart money is probably May, um, depending on how the economy pans out. Mm. If the inflation comes down a bit, if the small boats crossings are, are solved a little bit, you know, a poster, um, a, um, you know, a budget as well, if there's some tax giveaways or some movement there, some growth in the economy that the Conservatives can do something with, and they'd go soon after that, so that would make it May. Mm. So you, you're you're betting me then, are you? Because uh, like... yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not a gambling man. I normally get it wrong, but yeah, I, if I if if you were to twist my arm and say when do you think, then I'd go May. May. And as a couple of, I mean, this wasn't my idea, but as a couple of people have pointed out to me, because we've got local elections in May as well, mayoral elections and others, the Conservatives fear that they will do quite badly in those. Um, they'll lose people to campaign come a general election. Uh, they'll lose finance and they'll lose momentum as well. If they look like they're on a downward trajectory, then to have a general election later in the year just wouldn't do them any good. So again, all those sort of um, issues would point to a, to a May election. Just put them all in one go, don't lose momentum, still have people to deliver leaflets and, and try your best then. Do you not think they'd want to drag it out as long as they could, though, Stuart, to 
try, I don't know, I suppose try and gain ground back, especially after the past kind of few months and the calamity. There, there, I, I mean, there, is, there is that argument and this, look, there's some, something might come up. But it also looks a bit desperate, doesn't it? Mm. You know, the, you know, we've all been there. We think, well, I'll put that decision off because hopefully something will pan out, and it very rarely does. So, entirely possible. But I think if he really, really waits, then he'll be seen as just clinging on to power, and that's never a good look. No, no, fair enough. Um, all right, then. So, shall we take a little look at some of the key announcements that have come from all the party conferences then over the past few weeks? I, I was going to suggest perhaps we start with Labour, seeing as though. We're up in Liverpool today and we're, we're coming from the Labour Party conference. Um, so these are just, I mean, I'm, I'm going to start with the NHS one, Stuart, because I thought that was quite interesting. So I think Keir Starmer's come out and said he wants to fund um, 40,000 out-of-hours appointments, which would be paid for by scrapping non-DOM tax status. So obviously NHS looks like it's quite a key area for him and he wants to kind of make sure people are getting to appointments on time and all that kind of stuff. What have you kind of made of that one then? Well, I think, the, I mean, look, you know, for Labour, there are certain strengths that they have, and the NHS is undoubtedly one of those. People generally trust the Labour Party more with the NHS than they do the Conservatives. You could make an argument that sort of law and order is a generally a more conservative issue. The economy tends to be more conservative, but the NHS education sort of, public sector sort of issues tend to be Labour heartland. So, I, I, you know, no surprise to me that that is featuring really heavily in what the party wants to do. And frankly, whether it's Wes Streeting or Rachel Reeves as, as Shadow Chancellor or, or Keir Starmer, this is their attempt to, to put some clear red water uh, mm-hmm. between them and the Conservative Party. But maybe it's a sort of a, a, a pinkish hue rather than red because they want to reassure mm-hmm. But look, people are really concerned about the NHS. They're concerned about wait time. So having a, a clear offer and a clear policy on the NHS is, is absolutely critical. So I very much put it in that, you know, as you already said, you know, last set of conferences, probably before the general election, this is the pitch. Yeah. Trust us with the NHS. We've got ideas mm-hmm. and we can improve the NHS for you. Yeah, I think it's worth noting that we are recording this before Keir Starmer's made this kind of like final speech to conference and stuff. Do you, do you think any of his speech will kind of um, announce anything else on NHS other than that that policy, or do you think he's going to kind of stick to some of the key points that have already been raised during the conference? It'll be a, yeah, it'll be a variation on a theme. I mean, they, he will have some policy in there, but equally, you know, he will thank the NHS staff for their hard work. He will talk about how important they are for the future of the organ, you know, the, you know, the very future of the organisation. It's the doctors and the nurses and the midwives and the porters and everybody, you know, everybody, anaesthetists, you know, everybody involved in the NHS. He, he will recognise their place in that success story. Um, but yeah, he'll talk about the economy. He'll probably talk about immigration a bit. You know, there'll be a bit of flag waving, which is unusual, and it's now going to be featured on the membership cards. Is the, you know, well, Union Jack on the English one, and then uh, you know, um, the Scottish and Welsh uh, party members get to get different uh, images for their for their cards. Mm. It's again, it's just part of that retail offer. Yeah. It's part of Keir Starmer saying, "Look, you know, I'm ready to serve." It's yeah. a huge boat. We're not taking anything for granted. Six months or a year is a long time in politics, to sort of slightly mangle Harry Wilson's phrase about a week being a long time in politics, but it's 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 the big chance. Yeah. It, it gets eyeballs, people watch this stuff, or at least 30 seconds or two minutes of 
a 20 minute half hour hour whatever speech but at least they see that on the telly yeah I mean ju- just moving on because I know you mentioned um, the shadow chancellor there Rachel Reeves she got rapturous applause yesterday for her, her speech and she kind of come out with a few different points which I thought was really interesting I think she got back in as well from um, Mark Carney the previous governor of the Bank of England as well which I suppose is huge for, for Labour um, one of the key points she raised in the speech was around appointing a COVID corruption commissioner because apparently there's 7.2 billion that's lost in, in COVID fraud, which is obviously costing taxpayers. Um, thought that was really interesting and I was, I was wondering, do you think this is a bit of a ploy to kind of look at what the Conservatives have done during the, the pandemic and they're dealing with it as well? Do you think that, that they're going to kind of look at that too? Yeah, I agree. No, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I mean, it's, 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 it's very much them. Look, it's, it's the, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but the British sense of you know fairness and playing the rules of the game, etc. That a, a shed load of money went out of the door during COVID, and in and it was fraudulent. And you know there have been various committees that have looked at this. The money has disappeared. The government, the current government, in Labour's eyes, aren't talking about this. So you are absolutely right. They're putting a spotlight back onto the government. And again, it's that. It's that wider sort of, you know, challenge to the Conservative government is, you know, you can't be trusted. You know, you say you are going to look after taxpayers' money. You say that it's all about sound, prudent money and, you know, and looking after the economy and bringing tax. But you've just wasted, whatever the figure was that you said, you know, eight seven, billion. Seven quid, point seven. Point yeah. So, you know, billions of pounds mm. has just walked out the door. Yeah. So at the same time, you're cancelling HS2, which I know we'll talk about in a second. But at the same time, you're cancelling HS2 north of Birmingham up to, you know, this part of the world, up to Manchester, just down the road. Um, you're also not getting money back that people shouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I always I always think about the PPE contracts, and I know there was a lot made about that at the time, but I think surely that's got to be one thing that's really looked at, because, you know, it was contracts given out to kind of Conservative Party members' friends and things like that, and... Although it was, you know, the media was kind of holding them to account and things like that, nothing was really ever, nothing really ever came from that, did it? You know, it was just, we had to get on with this, deliver it at the time, really quickly. They were all the kind of excuses, but I think, you know, you're right, 7.2 billion. Yeah, good governance is good governance. You know, a, a government operating fairly is a government operating fairly. You know, that, that, that shouldn't not happen or shouldn't be thrown out of the window just because we're in some sort of national emergency. Okay, look, everybody knows it makes it really difficult and the government had to move at speed and, you know, and, and you know, stuff that they did, particularly around the vaccine rollout, etc., was fantastic. You know, we, we're all very grateful for that. But that doesn't mean you can stop being, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know not looking after money. You know? That's it, yeah. But you still have to do those things. 100%. They're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, yeah, you've got to do things properly. It doesn't matter, you know, for the emergency or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and like we've said on previous podcasts, you know, I look at all the stuff local government has to go through, and I do feel sometimes, Stuart, that governments aren't held to that same account, and they don't, you know, it, it, that them same processes aren't really in place by the sounds of it. You know, it's just kind of handed out. Enough on that. Anyway, we'll move on to kind of other announcements. Um, so I think in a speech as well, she also said she'd overhaul uh, planning rules, which would speed up green energy and 5G projects. Um, and it would also provide thousands of jobs. So I think that's probably welcome to most. I suppose, I'm not sure where it leaves the green belt, Stuart, to be honest. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, look, housing in particular, I mean, it was interesting that in Rishi Sunak's speech at the Conservative Party conference last week, he didn't really talk about housing. He didn't really talk about younger people, no. frankly, you know, the, and, and the challenges that, you know, younger generations face, particularly on housing, but not exclusively, just didn't feature. So again, you know, Labour this week uh, and Starmer in his speech this afternoon will doubtless talk about housing, uh, will talk about, you know, as you say, speeding up planning. Always interesting to see what detail of some of those things. It's, it's always very easy to say, we will speed up something along the lines, you know, particularly on planning. But actually, what does that mean? It, it, you know, I mean, I've been to a lot, lot of local planning meetings and, uh, you know, they can get pretty bogged down in, mm. you know, neighbourhood disputes. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, councillors obviously look after their own, you know, constituents in that way. And that can often mean blocking planning, unfortunately. That's just you know, just how it is. So does speeding up planning meaning basically, you know, there'll just be a general presumption of stuff will happen here and it will go through unless there is some sort of failure in, you know, on environmental grounds or, you know, really impacting on a particular community possibly. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll be interested to see what the, what the details are. But there's no doubt we need more housing. Yeah. You know, we need to get young, you know, young people need to have a stake in the future. And that's one of the ways that they have a stake in the future. And at the moment, they... That, that just isn't possible. It's just yeah. not going to happen. Well, on, on housing, I know Angela Rayna set, um, I think it was Angela Rayner, she set a bit of a target at her speech to, to build 1.5 million homes over the next five years. So that would be 300,000 homes pretty, a year. That's a pretty, uh, yeah. pretty punchy target. Well, when you look at government's target, wasn't that about 100,000 a year? And they got nowhere near it. I think, it was, I think they were building 20,000 a year. So that's got to be some uplift that from... Labour to get 300,000 homes. Yeah, and you, you, you sort of, you know, uh, look, Labour won't want to be seen as too statist. They won't want to be seen as too sort of, you know, man or woman in Westminster deciding or Whitehall deciding what's going to happen in different parts of the country that, you know, they don't really know or understand. But to hit those sorts of numbers, you you need some direction, you need some targets, you need some incentives, you need some just, look, this is what is going to happen but we've tried the other options and nothing seems to work. So maybe that's, you know, yeah. that's, that's what we need to do. Well, I think a key bit of that uh, policy from Angela Reyna, she was kind of saying th- to have a bit more of a focus on affordable housing and social housing, which I actually really do welcome that, to be honest, because I think, I think social housing and council housing is at an all-time low in terms of, like, what's being built there. And I think, you know, you look at people not being able to afford the rents, not being able to afford the mortgages now and all that kind of stuff. I think social housing could actually really be the answer to that and I think also provides people doesn't it with a safe place to call home it gives them the routes to kind of start building a bit of a career and stuff like that if they're not worrying about where they're going to live and things they can start worrying a bit more about let's get on the career ladder let's really start moving forward with life and stuff and it, that I suppose in a way Stuart it boosts economic growth in a way because you know people will get on then in, in careers and stuff like that you know so it is i know I, I agree entirely but you know they, they it, it provides incentives it, it's you know it, it's it's a stake in society a stake mm. aspiration in Britain, aspiration all those sort of things which look sadly you know hasn't been there i mean you know lots of reasons but look even when you go back to the sort of, again you know, the, you know back in the day for the 1980s when you know thatcher was right to buy and, and people bought their own council homes etc that was seen as a massive deal changed perceptions about home ownership and the conservative party for a lot of people but what but the real problem was that stock wasn't replaced mm-hmm. so 
yes, people could buy them, but then there was no new yeah. social housing. I, mean, I know we've had housing associations, and they've done a lot of good work as well in recent years, but that, that fundamental failure to replace housing and give some alternatives now sort of 25, 30 years ago has still ramification mm. now. And we've never really got over that in the numbers required to then give younger people a, a chance to, to buy their own home. I think a big thing, though, is the policy around right to buy, because I think, like, councils or housing associations can't keep 100% of the sale receipts of what they sell. So, like, I think they only get back a certain amount of, like, a sale, you know, on a house kind of thing, and also they're going at discounted rates as well. So that yeah. that obviously means they get, you know, you know say a house is worth 180000 they probably get about, like, 30,000 back to rebuild that home which is obviously unsustainable isn't it you know so I think if Labour is to do anything it's to change right to buy in all honesty and I think that would really help yeah and and you mentioned the green belt sorry which was your your actual uh, question before I started (laughs) waffling on look uh, you know the green belt will stay um, uh, you know but I think there will be more flexibility on what the green belt actually is not not in terms of the definition but actually look if the green belt around the city is a bit of scrubland you know it's not lovely countryside which people often think of then actually if that's not really offering you know much you know amenity mm-hmm. then build on it yeah. uh, so I think that that bit of so the definitely so the green belt will stay we will keep those sort of bits but you know bits of land or ex MOD bases and you know other things might well be there for housing 100% yeah um, I mean the, the final thing was Ed Miliband's speech as well um, he was just talking about climate projects so doubling onshore wind uh, trebling solar projects to kind of get that renewable energy really really boosted I suppose complete polar opposites to kind of what um, the conservatives are saying you know they've, they've kind of rolled back recently I mean for, for me I think that's quite positive I think you know, climate change agenda needs to be central, really. And I think there's a, like, you know, we're talking about economic growth. I think there's a lot of opportunities there if we can be seen as world leaders on on um, climate change. I think that could really give us a lot of economic opportunities. To be Look, it's all about growth. Look, it's all about growth. You know, and and as as Labour have, have stated this week, um, not uniquely, it has to be said, but you get growth, money comes through the door for the government. It spends it on public services. You know, that's not rocket science. <laughs> So whatever way, and if that's you know an industry and a sector that Britain can be a world leader in, um, then fine, yeah. uh, great, and it's needed. You know, <laughs> climate change is you know real. We're sitting, you know, with the best one in the world in Liverpool uh, in October, and the sun is shining, and it's twenty degrees or twenty yeah. plus uh, down in London. That's mad. Yeah, it's strange. That's mad. It's really strange. So. Uh, that shouldn't be happening, and I think we can all see that. So, you know, but also, you know, you invest in, you know, uh, improving insulation in homes and things like that. That brings down 100%, costs yeah. at a time where there's a cost of living crisis, at a time where energy will probably continue to go up, not down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lots of reasons to do it, but yeah. you say not least economically, it can prove the growth, and therefore that, you know, a government can then spend the money what it wants to spend on 100%. NHS, schools, defence, police all the things that we want to see protected. That's it, that's it. So we'll move on, Stuart, to uh, the Conservative Party conference, which was just down the road in Manchester. Um, quite a few key announcements coming from, especially Rishi Sunak's speech there. HS2, probably the biggest one, um, and the scrapping of the leg from Birmingham to Manchester. What has, what, what has possessed him to 
scrap the Manchester leg in Manchester, Stuart. Why, why, why would he do that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Look, I mean, if you're asking me for my, uh, you know, hat, uh, my communications hat on, I have no idea. I really don't know. I mean, it just, it sort of got leaked just before the conference started and was allowed to rumble on for several days. I can sort of understand how it was that he wanted to be in charge of the announcement but it meant that the conference was overshadowed completely by an announcement in a city that then isn't going to get a promised, you know, quick rail link. Um, I, I think it's, you know, and, and they may have replaced it. They replaced it with a load of sort of, you know, smaller scale, you know, local schemes. And for a lot of particularly Tory towns, the emphasis was on towns that, you know, was one of the as opposed to cities, cities, liberal, metropolitan, elite bit lefty, da-da, towns, smaller C, conservative, etc. would be the, yeah, I know that's completely wrong, but that's the sort of the, you know, the shorthand, yeah. uh, therefore more likely to vote conservative, therefore have some projects here. So Manchester's a bit lefty, you know, Liverpool's a bit lefty, we don't want these things to have, so let's give it to the towns that might vote conservative. So, you know, um, you'll remember what I can't remember what the, the phrase for the conference was, what the long term decisions oh, yeah. or whatever yeah. it was. Arguably feels like the exact opposite mm. of that. It arguably feels like this wasn't, you know, helping international investors have faith in Britain being able to build big infrastructure mm. projects. But Manchester in particular, but, you know, here and, and Leeds and Newcastle and, and other places, some of which were going to be served directly by HS2, others not, but we, you know, have better connectivity you know, have sold themselves internationally on the connection with London, the new spanking new, you know, rail light. That's not going to happen. Mm. So, you know, it's not just about spending a large sum of money, and of course it is a large sum of money, but it's about the ramification for that, not least in terms of, you know, reassuring international investors. I mean, you know, if I was now in charge of, I don't know, whatever the organisation is, Marketing Manchester or, you know, Manchester Global or whatever name it happens to be, I would be tearing my hair out. Oh, yeah. Um, and all the hard work that I've been doing for the last sort of 10, literally sort of 10 years and making this city, that city, this city, Liverpool as well, a global city, it's, it's been undermined. I just, you know, the main uh, priorities as set out by Rishi Sunak earlier this year were, you know, economic growth was at the heart of that. And I just, he's just scrapped HS2 which surely is the kind of cornerstone to helping the economy grow in Britain. I think, you know, infrastructure, that connectivity and all that kind of stuff is part of, of kind of economic growth. And he's just scrapped that. And I don't know, I, I, I can't really get my head around the announcement, Stuart, to be honest. Um, and I, I, think, I don't think I'm the only one. I think I've even seen Andy Street, the, the Metro Mayor for uh, the West Midlands, who is conservative as well. He he was kind of threatening to quit as well. I don't think he has gone, but yeah, um, no. it shows that he, you know even within his own party, there's kind of disdain to this 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 decision. You know, yeah. There is. Look, I mean, you know, you know, Boris, David Cameron, mm. etc. All and George Osborne all tweeted afterwards mm. that you know this was a terrible decision type thing. Um, and of course, they would say that, wouldn't they? They were the some, some of the archi- uh, you know the architects behind the scheme in the first place. Look, you know, a lot of the right. I mean, this isn't. You know, I'm not a quantity fair people will be able to go into the detail of, of why the costs have gone up so massively. Um, partly it was, you know, what was mapped out and, and planned in the first place. Not least, it was a rail line from London to uh, Birmingham. It then had to be tunnelled mm-hmm. because Conservative MPs in the Chilterns demanded that this thing was tunnelled because of the otherwise the impact on the countryside. That added massively to the cost. Now, there will be lots of other reasons 
and I know there've been lots of whistleblowers and, and you know people have criticised the way that the uh, you know the, the um, costs were estimated and things like that. So there's some real fundamentals here as well. But I just go back to that very simplistic point early on in the life cycle of the project. It had to be told it costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, moving on from HS2, because we could literally talk could about this all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the other announcements he had in his speech was gradual ban on smoking. So I think it, it means every year he's in power, he'll add a year on to the, age, the minimum age that you can be to kind of uh, smoke, which means I think children currently, basically, yeah, people who are kind of children at the minute will never be able to smoke according to this this policy yeah right? yeah basically I, I can't remember the the ages uh but yeah i think if you're something like and any under the age of 16 now yeah. i may have got that wrong but anyway so if you're above a certain age you can continue to buy tobacco and that's fine under that age effectively you'll never be able to yeah. buy them look i mean I, I know there are lots of public health arguments but frankly there are other public health mm-hmm. challenges i think around obesity and diabetes and, and uh, you know drugs and lots of other issues that could equally mm. demand you know a government's attention I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm not a, you know I'm not in favour generally of banning stuff I just mm. think that you know we, we have some choices in life and if you want to smoke yourself to death then you know it's up to you type thing it's, it's but, quite uh, it's quite strange for the Conservatives as well very that weird. isn't it Stuart because it's a bit nanny state and that's not really what Conservatives are about is it you know no, it's traditionally it's not, although they have flirted with a lot of those sorts of th- stuff around, you know, uh, HFSS, the high in fat and sugar and salt, uh, you know, uh, foods. So Boris was a bit of an interventionist in that in that sense as well. So I suppose, yes, traditionally they haven't done these sort of things. Actually, in recent years, they have been a bit more nanny state and, uh, you know, uh, uh, and taking those sorts of lines. But the other part of me just thinks it's just it's just weird, and who's going to enforce it? Look, you know, you're forty nine, and you know yeah. she's fifty. You know, in yeah, twenty thirty years, be time, what are you, do? Uh, you can't do that. Yeah. And, and look, even my own kids, you know, um, they're they're not that far away in in age between them. Mm. But you know, middle child will be able to buy, youngest child won't, mm. and there's a couple of years difference between them. So I don't, I, it just all feels a bit weird, really. I, mean, yeah. you know, but, um, I think there are other public health issues that should be tackled by government as well yeah i mean the other just moving on slightly the other key announcement from his speech was around this new post 16 qualification which effectively combines t levels and a levels into one post but i mean i think another strange one because t levels has only really just got going and i think you know students who've took t levels and stuff that they must be thinking well where's that leave me now you know um yeah another i'm not going to stay too long on that because it's another strange decision but um yeah, another another announcement. Yeah, from well, I mean, you know, the, what what Rishi was trying to do last week, a little bit like um, Starmer will try and do this afternoon in his speech to the Labour conference. Sunak last week was trying to say, look, you know, I, I, I'm you know a change candidate. Bit weird, given that they've been in power for yeah. thirteen years. But look, I'm going to try and be a change, and here are some ways that I will change HS2 decision, yeah. post sixteen education. But as you say. You know, uh, T levels were a conservative invention, so effectively they're now reinventing things that they did when they came into office, you know, twenty post twenty ten, um, and it's not going to happen anytime soon. So they've got to console, they'll devise, you know. So this isn't an announcement that will happen anytime soon. Um, so in in between time, yeah, what happens to T level? Will anybody actually take them anymore? Even if you can take them, or will schools simply just? Colleges stop offering them because they know that they're of a limited shelf life. I, I, I don't know the answer. And 
again, when you're looking at what that offer is come the general election, you know, from the Conservatives, you know, voters will go, well, they've stopped that. And they've, but, you know, is, is that really enough to make me vote? So I, I, you know, that's for the Conservatives, that's the real challenge. What, what is that offer? It's change, but change to what? What is, yeah. what is it you are moving towards that you can sell to the electorate? And, you know, neither of those policies sound particularly good in terms of a sales pitch. No, because, I mean, there wasn't much detail on them either, was there? But, I, I mean, personally, I think sea levels was a really positive thing, to be honest. It gets you a bit of work, work experience. I think that that's the majority of kind of the qualification is you've been in a workplace. And I think that is huge, especially in this day and age, you know, with home working and things like that, limited opportunities to kind of go into an office and learn and really go into point. a workplace and learn. So I, I thought it was a really positive uh, move by the government, but scrapping it, apparently, yep. so... Not good. Going at some point in the ill-defined future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, moving on slightly, uh, I mean, Culture Wars continued. I mean, that was the, the title of our first podcast when we did this, Stuart, and we're still we're still here. That's that's still what they're kind of pushing on. So, Swella Braverman giving, um, you know, saying a hurricane of migrants is coming, which has been criticised by quite a few people as, as scaremongering. Um, and there was stuff around transphobia as well, I think, within her speech, um, which was once again received backlash. And I think the worrying thing, I think, on both of them, Stuart, for me, was rapturous applause to both of those those um, points in a, in a speech. And I think, is that where kind of the Conservatives are? Have they gone that kind of far right now that, you know, it, it I think it, I think it's a bit of a difficult one for them. It feels like they're not quite in the centre anymore. They are going more towards that right right wing of the party. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, some of this, especially Suella's, uh, you know, speech, it's very difficult to see it other than a pitch for the party leadership mm-hmm. post you know, yeah. them losing a general election. Yeah. You know, so I, I, that's not me suggesting that. That's that simply seems to be part of what they're thinking. So, um, you know, if if we do lose, therefore I will be the you know the candidate most likely to take over from Rishi, who would have to go, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Say so it's very difficult to see it other than the, than the leadership pitch. Now that may well work as a leadership pitch. Mm-hmm. You know the party members voted list trusting. Don't forget who was equally around the party conference last week, and you know had speeches and you know was rapturously applauded and, and all those sorts of things. So you know there is still a definite constituency within the Conservative Party membership for that sort of approach. Okay, that's fine. That might get you to be the leader of the Conservative Party in the event that they lose the election. The question is, is that then enough to build a stable group to build and win a general election? That's the question. Now, it got a... Well, sorry, I'm going to slightly... I don't quite mean this. This is overly simplistic and isn't quite what I mean. But, you know, that sort of approach, you know, arguably got the Brexit vote through with sort of simplistic headlines on the side of a bus and threatening, you know, loads of Turkish immigrants coming in, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you can sort of see that they might think, okay, it got a Brexit vote, we can win a general election. I, I think those are two very different things. I think, the, you know, you know, to, to, to conflate, you know, Brexit and feelings with the European Union with some of those other issues, I think is just to add two and two and two and come up with 25. I don't, you know, it, it, that's just too simplistic. I don't know if it's a big enough constituency to win a general election. I, I sort of think it's not. Mm. And that's why, as you rightly say, Ben, parties tend to come towards, again, an ill-defined middle, yeah. a centre ground, 
where you can pick up some votes from the left, some votes yeah. from the right, economic health, da, 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 mm-hmm. all those sorts of policies. If you go too hard on the culture wars or too hard on immigration and those sort of things, yes, that will absolutely appeal to some mm-hmm. people, but probably not enough. I mean, it, it feels like with the culture wars, they're trying to lay traps for Labour in, in some respects, I'd say, Stuart. And that, for me, I, I don't think it's quite working, to be honest. I don't think Labour are falling for it at the minute. I mean, that could change in case Starmer speaks today and stuff, but it feels like they've avoided them quite well. They're just cracking on with kind of their own announcements. They're trying to steer clear of kind of what the Conservative Party are doing, which I think is probably the right you know, tactic from Labour to use, I'd say. Yeah, you know, I agree. Look, and HS2, you know, um, you know, Reeves announced a sort of review into HS2 and the costs, etc., etc. Look, that, that was a trap that partly a trap laid by mm-hmm. Sunak the previous week by abolishing the Birmingham Magister Park, almost daring Labour mm-hmm. to reinstate it. And they've just sidestepped it. They yeah. said, well, we'll look at it. So they're not committing one way or the other. I sort of think they probably won't do it, to be honest with you, because of the numbers involved. But, you know, that's just a, you know, back of a cigarette packet, which we won't be able to buy soon. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, um, uh, sums on my part, but uh, they are sidestepping them. They are just, they're just avoiding them. Yeah. They're just putting them to one side. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. You know, you know soon next day up saying a man's a man and a woman's a woman, it's really simple. So actually, well, in a simplistic way... It, you know, these, these are very complex issues and, and affect a lot of people and their mental health and their status and so many other things in life. And I think, you know, again, it appeals to a certain part of the population, certain part of the electorate who feel incredibly strongly about that, those sorts of culture war issues, but not more broadly. And especially not younger voters. They don't give a stuff. No. They really don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, they very much do have a sort of a slightly laissez-faire view of the world it's entirely up to people how they want to live their life we're not going to intervene and and express our view on Mm. these things and that's not just some you know north london leafy metropolitan sort of you know position it's younger people therefore Mm. actually for the conservative party longer term that's quite dangerous Mm. because you're you know you're you're not offering them housing you're getting involved in issues that frankly younger people don't care about or actually feel quite strongly the exact opposite way that doesn't help the Conservative Party longer term, I don't think. No. I mean, just just quickly, the last point I want to put on this uh, Conservative Party conference was was the leadership thing, Stuart. So as you say there, Suella's kind of pushed their kind of pitch forward. Um, another person who did was Penny Mordant. And yeah, weird speech. Very weird. Stand up and fight was the, uh, was the key thing I took away from it. Not sure who were fighting against Stuart. Um, <laughs> or, no, I don't know. I'm not really up for fighting, particularly for <laughs> no. the best of times. So, um, but if you've not watched that, go and have a watch of it and have a laugh because yeah, yeah have a look on YouTube. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a classic masterclass on how not to do a presentation. So if anybody has to do a presentation, watch that and do the opposite. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So just quickly as well, I think we should perhaps just touch on the Liberal Democrat Party conference. Um, so Ed Davy gave a bit of a speech, and I think. The main point that I took away from that was he kind of put forward a guarantee in law that anyone referred for cancer treatment will be seen in the two-month target. And, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be kind of illegal. I think that the health secretary of state will be held accountable if that doesn't kind of happen. Um, I think that was the main takeaway, really. I didn't really get much else from there. They didn't get loads of coverage. I mean, they got some coverage. But, look, I mean, you know, the Dems, it's still important, very important locally. Mm-hmm. Um 
they will undoubtedly deprive the Conservative of seats um, in the coming general election. So their numbers will go up from the, you know, the literally handful single-digit seats they have at the moment. They might hit 2025, some of those sort of lines. Scotland, it could be really important in Scotland, and uh, you know, the leader up there is, uh, you know, you know, making some good impressions, uh, you know, as well. Um, so it come the general election, you know, if that Labour, if the Labour Party get in and it's a small majority or no majority, suddenly the Lib Dems are really important. So, mm. so yeah, for anybody, you know, interested in, in politics and, and, you know, what a government might look like, you know, the Lib Dem conference, despite not getting loads of coverage, is fundamentally important mm-hmm. because, of, because of that, you know, potential role that they might have. But say, if not nationally, then certainly they remain a very important uh, party locally. Yeah. Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, the only other thing I, I picked up from it, Stuart actually just just thinking about it was, um, I think Davy also called for a change to the first past the post voting system. Yeah, oh, they always say that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we discussed this with Carl Cashman on a previous yeah, podcast yeah. as well, didn't we? Um, so yeah, so basically just making sure that everyone's vote counts equally, which would be an interesting shake up. Well, we had the referendum, don't forget, in uh, post twenty ten as part of the Lib Dem um, Conservative Coalition deal. But the Conservatives sort of, you know, allowed them to have the um, the referendum, which, you know, was lost very badly. You know, you can argue about the type of, you know, proportional system that was put forward and actually, you know, the, the Conservatives not backing it. It, it was a, yeah, not, not a huge, you know, hugely brilliant attempt, to put it that way, I think is, is would be pu- putting it politely. But look, again, if you're in, you know, if you're Labour, uh, you're certainly not going to do it in the first term. But you could see it as a sort of second term type thing. You should you know if they're planning for ten years, which is sort of again some of the, the rhetoric from this week is about look you know a lot of the issues that the country is going to needs to deal with are sort of you know is a is a takes a decade to sort out, i.e. at least two terms of a government. Then maybe that's part of the transforming Britain is 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 looking at the voting system. And there's a lot of people in Labour that quite like a change of voting system, but you win under a, one system. It's then very difficult to say, actually, we're now going to rip up that system and introduce another one, and we're not quite sure we would win under yeah. that other system. That's a, Again, that's a, that's a brave government. Yeah, not half. I think, Stuart, we'll leave, leave it there today. Um, I know you're off to the party conference for the last day now, aren't you, for Labour's party conference? Yeah, you look, yeah. looking I'm, forward I'm, to that? Yeah, I am. I mean, it's, it's, I say, you know, I enjoy the party conferences because you get to see what the parties look and feel and what's being discussed and, and the issues and the personalities all of that stuff. So, yeah, I'll be putting on my conference pass, my security pass, going in. Uh, I want to listen to Keir Starmer's speech, see what he's got to say for himself, and um, then probably, you know, relax this evening with some friends and um, uh, have a meal, with any luck, as and, well. And get an early night, by the sounds of it. <laughs> sounds yeah, like thank you. Like I, can't, I, can't, I can't. Look, I'm too old to uh, keep going out, sadly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening today. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Won't be in person next time, unfortunately, but this has been great today to speak to Stuart. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and, and see you again next time. Cheers. Bye-bye.